coming. <laughs> in December. We haven't even had Christmas yet, Ken. But I'm with you here. Well, I have been called you. premature a lot in my life. <laughs> okay. But All no, right. you're right. Yeah. Spring yeah. is right around the corner. I can't wait. Yeah, I love I love the the days longer days. I mean it's just there's nothing negative about when the when the sun starts to stay out longer and warm up and the buds come out on the flower and yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to rejuvenated. Nice... Yes, yes, goodness, yes. <laughs> I mean, we had a good start of the summer, a winter. I'm sorry, we really did. December and January were were pretty fair. February got a little cold. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's good now. You know, we've been talking for several weeks about people anticipating projects because yes. again, every contractor we've talked to is already behind the eight ball. I think more so than they were last year. Is that a fair assessment? I think absolutely. Uh, it, it's really amazing when that pandemic hit, because I'm not going to use the C word. Please don't. There was so much fear and so much uh, uncertainty. Uncertainty, I think, yeah. is the biggest thing, yeah. And, and uh, obviously uncertainty in our business, because sure. it's the business we were in. Didn't know. But boy, was it um, not a factor? Is that fair to say? It was a non-factor in terms of demand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all it did was literally, it's like having a, a, a plug-in in a sewer pipe. You know, things got backed up, and the demand is not going to go down. It's not going to decrease for several years. So literally, as far back as we got pushed last year, we're still that far back this year, going into the year. I think back to 2007, 2008, we saw a mass exodus of trade, skilled trades, oh, leave time. this state. Terrible. And I, because so many people left and because so few have come behind them in whatever way, whether they moved in, they trained, whatever, the, the housing issues in our state, I, I think we're in good shape. I think we're in good shape for a long time. Because if you remember, even before 2007, I think we're in good shape. I think we've got a big shortage. Because if we have another housing crisis like we had before. Oh, we're not going to. Okay, I love that. I love your <laughs> I love your attitude. I love that. We're going to have enough guys. I think that to, the, the demands that's there, it's not going to be anywhere near as it is now. We'll have enough guys to get those done. I think if you're in the housing industry in Michigan, you have a very good career. I think you've got a great career ahead of you for decades to come, yeah. barring absolute cataclysm. Yeah, because we're never going to have a sh we're never going to have an abundance an overabundance of housing in this state. I don't see it in my lifetime. I agree with you. I just don't see it. And so we're always going to have a shortage and we've got people that are figuring out it makes more sense to stay in my house and retire in my house than it does to move somewhere. Your house probably is as valuable now as it has ever been since you've owned it right. if you're in Michigan, is right? I mean with rare exception and I think people are seeing the benefit of, you know what? I need a new roof. I'm going to put a quality roof on. I'm going to put that 50-year roof on, you know, from Victor's or Kearns. I'm not going to put, you know, junk on. And I think people are starting to see that, and I think it just assigns more value to the housing stock and inventory. Look, we love the housing markets. We love the realtors. But a homeowner will save money if they can stay in their house. Because moving is expensive. And I'm not even talking about buying a new house. I'm just talking about the process of moving. Absolutely. Everything from one location to another. All the insurances you have to buy, all the fuel that you go through, all the people you need to do it. Well, think it is about an expensive it. process. You're gonna pay you're gonna pay a sales commission. Yeah. Uh, 
on the sell side. Then you're going to buy a new house and pay a, a sales commission on the buy side, which which is legitimate and fair, and those people earn their money. But but it's a question of cost. Yep. And like you said, you're going to pay to move. You're going to have all that interim stuff. You know that that. You know, whether you're buying new curtains or you're buying a new couch or you're putting new carpet in the new house or new hardwood flooring, there's always that additional spend. On average, they say people spend about 8% of the purchase price within the first couple of years of moving into a new house, and I don't doubt that a bit. All the upgrades, you know, a new bathroom here, a new kitchen there, and boom, you're, you're in big bucks. Yeah, since I've started my family, I've moved five times since my wife and I have gotten married. And if I had to do it over again, it'd be three times. <laughs> it would be. It really would be. We would have stayed at our uh, Ortonville house a lot longer than we did. Because me being who I am, every time I move into a house, even when it's brand new, which one was, I find a lot of stuff to do. Oh, <laughs> I've literally built myself new homes, sat in them the first two months I've been there and went, you know what I should do? Yeah. <laughs> Like what? What are you fool? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so it's so true. It really is. You know, back in I think it was two thousand, there was a major survey done called "Fixing to Stay," where huh. it indicated that people of my age were thinking more about staying in their homes and fixing them up than they were about moving out of their homes. And that trend has escalated and gained momentum, and I, and I think that's one of the things that's going to bode well for the housing market here. You know, because when you're like you and I, I mean, Chuck, do you ever see yourself moving from where you're at now? Possibly one time. Possibly, but it's going to be either a smaller house or into yeah, a warmer climate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's going to be that one final move. It's not going to be to a retirement community. I, I don't see that happening unless my wife condemns me. Right. <laughs> which, which, if you which look at it, entirely possible. that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, the house I'm in, I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid-50s. And yeah, you'll I don't, be there another 20 years. Oh, huh? yeah. I don't see yeah. myself ever moving from where I'm in. And, and the day I do, it's going to be when someone else will do it for me. I mean, I'm not going to be moving everything. I'll pay for someone to come in uh -huh. and pack my drawers and whatever it takes. Because um, uh, the last time I moved, we, <laughs> we were on 13 acres. We had a house, a long house with a basement full, a garage full, and a pole barn full. That was a big barn. Yes, and, and we raised our five kids in those houses. So by the time it was time for me to move out, four of those kids had already moved out. So guess who wanted to do that all on her own? And when the wife decides <laughs> we're moving, she's not saying, hey, let's go clean the barn. <laughs> That was me. The wife. Oh, uh, yeah. The wife. The car, the horse, the dog. Like it's just a possession, right? And the wife. Um, and that's hard, stressful. And that Chuck, that was probably one of the most stressful times of my life, moving out of that house. Sure. I don't want to do it again. I remember it. I don't want to do it again. And I and I always think, you know, maybe maybe you and I should put together an article, you know, that enumerates some of those costs using a $250,000 house as an example. Because I remember doing this when we were teaching the uh, aging in place programs, and you could demonstrate very easily for uh, someone in a home, you know, maybe my mom and dad at the time, that it was far more economical for them, especially when money's cheap. Money's right. so cheap right now. Right. To take a second mortgage out and put that, you know, uh, better bathroom in, that safer master bath, or maybe expand the master suite, or maybe make the kitchen more amenable to you as you age so you can cook in it. That is a far more economical thing to do in most cases. 
That, you know, that makes perfect sense, especially the people who might have bought their houses during the recession because they bought it at a great price. If you bought your house in 2012, you, your house is probably worth about, worth about a third, a quarter to a third more now than when you bought it in 2012. So, of course, the Inside Outside guys are here for you 24-7 at the insideoutside.com for anything that you may need. And we say anything. We mean anything from housing, whether you're buying, you're selling, you're remodeling, you're rebuilding, whatever it is. We're here for you. So you and I were chatting in the first segment, and it, and it may bear um, discussion to continue that. How does a homeowner, okay, mom and dad have been in the house 45 years, whatever, pick a number, but many decades. How do they approach what they're going to do or what they're going to need as they age in place, as they stay in that home? Um, would you agree with me that the first priority should be safety? Hundred percent over a blanket statement. Safety, exactly. Not not so much safety from burglars or safety from firemen. We're talking safety in general because yeah. as you get old, that is more of a concern. So let's make that a forty-five year old home. Okay. Okay. That was built in the what early seventies then. Lighting. How many how many basement accesses literally had a single pole switch at the top of the stairs and maybe a single 60-watt incandescent bulb somewhere in the stairwell. Right. And that was it. That was it. That's an unsafe condition. Sure. You know, so that would be something you look at and go, we need to make that a safer condition for mom and dad. Right, 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 right. It's so many things out there nowadays that can help them. I mean, we, we've interviewed people. We've, we've done articles. Something as simple as like a sensor on their bed. So every night when they lay down in bed, you know that mom just lay down in bed or dad just lay down in bed. And we all know as we get older, I mean, I, I hate thinking about the day my kids are going to come to me and say, Dad, we need your keys. I know. Okay. I'll give them my keys. I know me. I'll just, I'll give, I, I hate thinking about it. But I love a spare set anyway. <laughs> but here's what you and I have, Chuck, that a lot of people don't have. We have a lot of extended family yeah. and a lot of extended family that very much cares for us. Yep. Makes and I know that when that time happens, they're going to be there for me. They're, they're just going to be there. Not a lot of people have that. So if you're at home or if you're, if you're an, a senior at home and you may be thinking about your, your age and how you're going to get around, find someone. It might just be a neighbor and say, look, if I install some of these things, can you be my emergency contact? Can I make you get the alerts that come in? Because everybody need somebody do they not i don't disagree with that yeah i think you got to be very careful you know there's there's so many stories sad ones of people being taken advantage of in that regard um, and, and you and i will never be in that situation but no. there are so many people that could be in that situation that's why this is such an important uh, and subject. i think trying to make the house as self-sufficient as you can is where you start with that yes yeah um you know we mentioned one lighting application. I think lighting is one of those things that you really need to sit down with, with a, you know, an Eric Bratcher or somebody and say, okay, how can I make this house safer just with lighting? Yeah, I agree. Where I eliminate shadows. You know, I, how many times do you walk into dark, maybe down a dark hallway at night to use the bathroom at 3 a.m. and that hallway that's so familiar to you at the age of 50 isn't as familiar at the age of 75 and there's shadows yeah and there's you know uh the equipment looks like water on the floor wait no 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 that's a reflection i, I can walk there you know and just good lighting mm -hmm. 
would make it safe for you. Uh, motion sensor lighting, maybe. Yep. You know, the, exactly. The, the, the Bratcher could put in. But kitchen, with the, the te- new technology and lighting, oh. you could actually put better lighting in and pay less money. Excuse me. Good as far point. as far as your energy bills, your electrical bill is going to go down. Yeah, with the more efficient lighting systems. You know, people have problems even with um, spatial relationships in a kitchen where, um, you know, the counter you and I are sitting at here has the same color edge band as it does top. Yep. And some people over time can't distinguish one from the other. So as they're pulling a pan off that top, they don't realize where the counter ends. Yes. So simply putting, you know, a different color edge band on than what the top is. Kind of like steps that are painted yellow at the end. Same thing with steps, you know, where the risers are one color and the treads are another. Help them see them. You can carpet them that way. You can, uh, you know, boy, stay away from... I've told the story of how my grandmother's house, they painted with a glossy enamel the stairway in that house, the old wooden stairway. Bobsleds wouldn't have gone down ice any quicker than you would have gone down that stairway. (laughs) I mean, it was so dangerous. And when and that is one of the issues. Lighting, sorry, it's okay. I, I know I know a lot of people. My grand my grandparents they had a big beautiful Sears Roebuck buck house near St Mary's in Royal Oak, and they had an upstairs. And back then they didn't have some of the things they have today. They wanted to stay in their bed. They wanted to stay upstairs in their bedroom. But as they aged, oh, yeah. it got hard, harder. Well, now someone like Atlas Home Improvement come and install a chair that can literally lift you up, lift you up that. I mean, instead of moving out of your house, you can still stay in that bedroom I know. by sitting down and pressing a button, and it'll take them up the stairs. And, and you know that stuff today, this is all a relative thing, but it's so much more affordable than it was 10, 15 years ago. The, those chairs were literally prohibitively expensive for people just a short while ago, and today yeah. the technology uh, with the solid-state electronics has made those so much more accessible to people. Half what they used to do. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And how many people do we have in a bungalow with three bedrooms on the ground floor or a ranch with three bedrooms on the ground floor where, you know, you could take, you could eliminate one of those bedrooms and have a little bigger master suite and a bathroom now that accommodates you. Right. Right. You know, and you could do it by knocking one wall out. Here's the argument we get. We go, well, wait a minute, then it won't be a three-bedroom house and it won't be as valuable when we go to sell it. I'm going, wait a minute. You're going to stay there till you're dead. <laughs> you don't have to worry Not about your problem. Exactly. I mean, it's it, your house, your money. Make it safe for you. you know, I have said this to my mother. Gosh. Mom, I don't want any of your money. No. I want you to live comfortable for the rest of your life. Whatever your house. it takes. Yep. I don't want any of it. And here's the I have four brothers and sisters. Careful. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they know how I feel about it. I, I don't care. I want mom. Yep. To be comfortable and safe, and, and when the time comes that we have to start looking and dealing with that stuff, we will safe. We'll we'll deal with it. But so Ken and I are trying to give some concrete solutions to people um, with the idea that maybe staying in your home is the best, smartest, most economical thing for you to do. You know, we were uh, several years ago looking for s- some um, housing for mom that uh, you know, took her out of her current living environment. And what we found, Ken, was anything decent, and I mean starting at the word decent, was going to cost you four grand a month or more and, okay. and rapidly go higher than that. And if you start to do the math on that, so let's say, 
let's say we put mom in a place and, and her, her current living expenses are $4,000 a month, which again, that's, that's baseline. That's $48,000 a year. What could I do to my current home with $48,000? What could make it a new home? Intelligent remodeling. Yeah. And wait a minute now, mom, mom, back when we started that her projected lifespan was another 10 years and it's, it's probably another 10 now, but let's just say 10. That's you're you're now at four hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Wow! What could you have done with a fraction of that money to your house to keep mom safely where she was? You know, when I'm going to go back to the housing crisis. When the housing crisis hit, Chuck, one thing people did not do a good job of is when they found themselves in trouble, sitting down and going, "Okay, what is our best business decision at this point?" I agree. So that's the same discussion you have to have. What is the best business decision? What's the best money decision at this point? Is it to move mom into a community, into a retirement community, or is it to take that money you were just talking yeah. about and fix up the house? Now, there are a few components that have to be considered when doing that. The person. Absolutely. The place, how hard or how easy will that be place, and the support network around them. Yeah. Because that's what's really important. And, you know, in most cases – Surveys found this, studies found this, but common sense also dictates that where they have been living for 40 years, that's most likely where their support base is. Right. If they have a church community, right. it's usually proximate to the house. Yep. If they have affiliations with any other community groups, they are likely proximate to the house, hospital, medical care. All of those things, we tend to reach out no further than we have to for all of those. So yep. likely the the house is the hub of that wheel where they currently exist. Absolutely. It's about budgeting as well. You know, yeah. when, when you get to be that age, you need to start budgeting the, the lawn. Who's going to mow the lawn? Who's going to shovel the lawn? Oh, yeah. Things that you are all, who's going to come in and clean your house now? Things that you were always able to do, but hopefully you, hit, you had the life where you were able to save for this kind of stuff. Because even with all the numbers you put out there a few minutes ago, you can still get all those things done in a budget, in your good budget. You really can, and, and we've done the math on this, and these things need to be explored by people in an intelligent way. But let's say you put $100,000 into upgrades in your home. So that's two years of care at the bare minimum right. cost in a home, two years. But they're done. And if you do them well and right, they're done forever. Right. They add value to the home. They don't have to in any way devalue the home. When they're done properly, they'll add value. And that's the key. Yeah. yeah the universal design oh. while they do the agent in place. The, the fact so that right. someone walks in the house when you're going to sell it and they don't notice it. Or they may notice it and like it. Yeah. Yeah. So you've made that investment. Now, what can you do with that 4000 a month? And remember, that's not a stable figure. That's going to go up every year if you're in a home. Sure. That's going to cost you. But let's stay with, let's just pretend it stays at 4000 a month. You can buy a lot of lawn care, a lot of house cleaning, uh, you know, a lot of uh, come on in and talk to mom for four hours a day and yes. fix her lunch and breakfast for that kind meals of money. On, yeah, meals on wheels, get meals delivered, all that stuff, exactly. sure. Exactly. That kind of money, you'll have money left over, and you'll, and you'll still be able to buy all of those services. So um, while we're not saying don't move into a home and homes are not for for anybody we're saying that the better alternative for a lot of people really economically is staying right where you are okay now you've taught aging in place for how long now probably 20 years yeah we were we started doing it when it first came out and i'd have to check the calendar to be honest with you as you were teaching that your mother was aging yeah and you have five brothers and sisters right yeah. how did you deal with that with them 
You know what's interesting? I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because that's where it starts. It starts with the loved ones sitting down and having a conversation. Yeah, it was all communication. It was all, you know, we've got a common thread on the phone that uh, all all of the six siblings access on a regular basis. Matter of fact, we a just, text thread. Yeah, we just had one um, the other night. Mom's hearing aids were not sufficient. Took her in to get tested. Found out they weren't doing their job, and we found out that for about fifty six hundred dollars, we could buy her a top of the line new set of hearing aids. And uh, within ten minutes on a common text thread, the six of us made that decision. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And it was a done deal. And then we also decided, don't tell mom that because she would never spend that money on herself. Amen. You know, Amen. So, so it was one of those. It was kind of a, a fun thread to go through. And then the follow-up threads where mom was suddenly hearing things she hadn't heard for, you know, maybe the last two years in conversation and, and the joy in my sister's text voice going, oh, my gosh, mom can hear me. You know? That's wonderful. It was cool. You got – your mother's such a wonderful lady. She really yeah, is. She is. But when it came – because your mom lived in a um, – uh, for for uh, aging home. Is that a fair she way to put it? She lived in a um, community where they each had their own apartment. They were. They had to be totally self-subsistent. They could not have debilitating health issues. So they had kitchen, bath, independent bedroom, yeah, independent living. But it was subsidized housing, which was a great thing for her because she really needed it at that point okay. financially. Okay. Uh, and now, uh, in the last year, we've moved her in with us, just because everybody agreed that was the best alternative. Did you have a hard time getting mom into that facility, or was she all for it? She. You know what? It was interesting. She was she was for it, and she came to love it. She was there over 20 years. Wow. And absolutely loved the idea. You know she's been very mobile. She always had her car. She loved the idea that she could walk out of that place, lock the door, and knew when she came back three, or, three days or three weeks later, everything would be there. Yeah. And she didn't have to worry about it. Didn't have to worry about a lawn or the flowers or the zinnias or the shrubs or the hoof or anything else. And it was a great thing for her. But. I can think of my but. grandmother that said, I am not leaving this house. She, li- I mean, she moved there. Oh, oh I gosh, I think she was 21. Sure. Unfortunately, um, it was a Thanksgiving. She came to our house, and she didn't know it, but that was the last day she was ever going to spend in that house. She came to our house. She had some medical issues, and from that point in, she was in assisted living. Yeah. Um, and, and that house for grandma at that point, it was such an old house, Chuck. To, it would have been tough to make that house livable for her because yeah. it had a a lot of stairs going down to the basement, stairs going up to the bedroom, and it just didn't work. And you can get financially where this our our math doesn't work either. If, if it's a 1918 home that's never had anything done to it, you know, let's make it a balloon frame two story farmhouse out in the middle of 80 acres, you know, that's no longer farmed. That may not be a practical I agree. resolution for I agree. you know for mom or dad. And the reality is, there may be so much work that, and money that has to be put into that house that it, it it doesn't even make sense to do it. And you might be better off going and buying a small bungalow somewhere, yeah, in town, close to the hospital, close to care, close to family, yeah, close, close to, to people who, who can take care of it. But one thing that I mean, if you're a son or daughter out there, you know how mom or dad feel about their house. They're either okay with moving, they realize it's just a house. Or, or they're going to say, no, we're going to be here in forever. And it's got to start with the talk. It, and part of the talk is going to be, we are going to do our best to make sure no one can tell. We talk about yeah. ramps, okay, uh, ramps out front. You mentioned universal design. Universal design, yeah. yeah. We want to avoid any of the um, 
touch points that, that make people look and go, oh, there's a crippled person there. There's a handicapped person there. And you can't always avoid it. Yep. Nope, you can't. But you can do your best to perhaps minimize some of that. You might put a ramp inside a garage yeah. where you can close the garage door and you don't see the ramp. Yep. Or a lift. So our discussion before we went to break is, is universal design. Yeah, Being in the house. applying stigma to the house if you can help and, it. And for many reasons, because nobody likes, nobody wants people knowing that they're handicapped, but also we don't want some nefarious person out there going, and, oh, there's an easy target. And we sadly, that's that. the way of the world today. I know, I know. And I'll tell you what, we, we got into this again decades ago where we discovered ramps are not inexpensive. You can buy... F- f- for what you have to put a legitimate safe ramp in that takes you three and a half to four feet high in elevation, yep. you know, from ground level to a uh, front entry door, you can buy a lift and it doesn't look like a ramp and it doesn't, it doesn't eliminate your front yard. When I was a, oh my goodness. a kid, my, one of my cousins got in an accident. She wound up being paralyzed from the waist down and uh, they bought her a, literally a four by four elevator they put it in the backyard you couldn't tell from the front yard whatsoever and she just rolled up in that elevator press a button lifts her up she got in and out of her house no problem very easily yeah those today and again technology has just lent so much to the affordability of those but uh, generally speaking they're an aluminum frame unit that's got a very small uh, hydraulic motor on the bottom of it and a lot of them plug into 110 volt they yeah. used to have to be hardwired yeah. which cost you more and 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 they really are they're just a, a wonderful fail safe you could if you have an attached garage you and I mentioned you could put it right in the garage so if somebody gets out of a car or at least can raise and lower the door they then can access that lift in a more concealed fashion and it's just a beautiful thing. I mean, it makes sense. And and it makes cost sense today. There are companies that will, um, you know, for traumatic brain injury and um, things that happen, you know, that are totally unexpected, they come in and they will lease you ramp systems made of aluminum and, you know, very high-quality product. But, again, those are extremely pricey. And if you need something for an extended period of time, you'll find that generally a lift is going to be your best solution. I agree with you. It's your best solution also because it's a stigma. You know, it's 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 easy yeah. to put a lift in the backyard, you know, and a deck or a porch back there. Um, because of Grandma's house, I'm thinking about that that porch is probably a good five feet off the ground. Yeah. So. Uh, so if you can eliminate out. those thresholds, uh, you yeah. know, surface changes from area to area in the house where there's a bump or a trip, a potential trip hazard. Zero entry, that's what you're saying? Something like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, showers, you know, um, getting rid of bathtubs because a lot of people literally lose the physical ability to lift themselves up out of a tub. They can get down in it. They cannot get out of it. The step-in tubs are nice. Yes, yes, they are. Uh, those are still pretty pricey. Yep. Um, there aren't many out there that I would look at and go, boy, that's really affordable, but... If you have the financial wherewithal, they they really work well. Well, the big stigma or the big knock against those for a long time was you'd have to wait in that tub while it drained. Exactly. Okay? And now they made they put warmers in there and they put floors in to help people. Or filled. You know, or, now they have supplemental true. heaters. Yep. Um, 
and, and you know how the door opens and how quickly they you're right a power drain is critical you don't want mom dad sitting there freezing while the water slowly bubbles out of the, the drain well, atlas home improvement they've got a great um showroom and they have one of these tubs in their showroom it is very impressive they do a lot of the aging in place there at atlas home improvement and they're very good at it i was in one with um who was the gentleman i don't want to hear it. i don't you're in one of those tubs with a gentleman out at bath plan is that what you're saying oh, okay <laughs> Zeke, what was his name? Zach. 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 Yeah, Zach. Good yeah. kid. Not a kid. A young man. You were in that with Zach, really. Well, we just after hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know that one bottle of champagne. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> but you know it was interesting because he and I were chatting. They had a nice display, like you're mentioning. Atlas has, and those always look smaller than they actually are. The volume uh, metrics in them are, have improved so much over the last ten years, yeah. and they really are functional nice units you can buy a lot of amenities with them so that they're not just a place to bathe i mean they can be you know the the old hot tub that you had where you got in it to relax and you know provide therapy i could, I could get used to that yeah, I, I could, could it's kind of making me wish that i wasn't here with you <laughs> so you know those are really good options the rolling showers today you can do a bathroom that literally is a wet room so literally, you could roll into that room in a in a chair if if you are bound in a chair, and you could spray water anywhere in that room. And there's a drain in the middle of the floor, and you're not going to hurt anything. The entire room is designed almost like a big ceramic shower. Yeah, with all the angles going towards that that drain, and yeah, uh, yeah it is pretty impressive. I mean, think about it, Chuck when you started doing aging in place twenty twenty five years ago. How oh. far has it come wow. since then? It's amazing. The lighting you and I talked about, and the lighting is just phenomenal today. And, and don't discount the, the safety value in good lighting. Uh, and like you said, Ken, the economies of it. Um, the electronics, the solid-state electronics, what they've done to price points yeah. and equipment, yeah. to me, is phenomenal. The good acrylics, you know, with the roll-in showers have improved so much. You know, we can get a really good firm base you know, on a roll-in shower today that, again, I'm not sure I would have trusted 25 I years ago to last. I agree with you. And another thing I think uh, to, to a, either a handicap or older person as they age, because, Chuck, I'm in my mid-50s, and I see it. I see it in me. I mean, I'm not of just, course not as sharp as I used to be. And there's time. I tell it's you, I, there are times, you know, we get this mental block where you're having a discussion with somebody and you get a mental block. That happens when I'm talking to myself. <laughs> it's like, what was I just thinking about? I was like in the middle of it. I just, I just can't think you're about it. walking into the room and not knowing why you're there. Oh, yeah. It's happened once or twice. So it's a very real issue for all of us. But I think those are the – that and, and removing the stigma – We've, we've kind of combined a whole bunch of standards that were out there for how to do this stuff, even with regard to grab bars. You know, now, now they have grab issue. bars. You don't even know they're grab bars. No, they're, they're decorative. Yes. And if someone didn't point out to you that that's what it was, you it wouldn't occur to you that's a grab bar. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And you can put them right by the sink. If they want to sit in the sink, they can have one hand on a grab bar. It literally looks, looks like a handle is all they're holding. You've got sinks that raise and lower. So if... My wife is in a chair, but I'm not. I'm still ambulatory on my legs. We can both use the same sink. She can lower it literally to her height in a chair and do everything you would do in a sink. And she stoves. Can raise it, lock it, and then I can use it, you know, for my height. And they've got stoves to... that do the same thing. they got yeah. countertops to do the same thing. And like you said, Chuck, the longer this technology is around, the, least, the less expensive it gets. It does. It has, it's just become wonderfully affordable and doable for people. 
We've learned a lot about how to maintain safety in bathrooms, you know, even insulating hot water pipes under a roll-under sink. You yeah. know, it never occurred to people that someone might roll under a sink in a chair and burn their knee on the hot water pipe. It's like, oh, my gosh. You know, so now we've we found ways to to build those and install them such that that's not going to be an issue for people. Yeah, um, the 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 touchless faucets. You know, where you just wave a hand. Yeah, you don't have to have you know good graspability. You know, with your with your fingers in your palm or your. I mean, have you found where some things are harder to open now than they ever were before? I do. I, I swear that's a big issue. I do. And I think of my mother, you know, how does she open a, a new bottle of pills or aspirin or any of that kind of thing? But in a house, at least, we can put faucets in that you can operate with an elbow. Or right. again, just by waving a hand by it. And that is so cool. So if, if you're thinking about doing this, or if you have, if you have a, a loved one that's getting older in place, get the family together. Get everyone together that's important to this person's life. And, and just have a talk. And, and do a walk around. Some things may be more expensive than others. But I tell you, grab bars aren't expensive. Hey, let's go right to the phones, okay? Buddy? Yeah, I love it. Let's, uh, let's talk to Jim from Burton. Good morning, Jim. You're on with the Inside Outside Guys on WJR. Hi, Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. We got a situation Anytime, about a month and a half ago. Uh, my daughter-in-law called me um, late at night. My son was out of town, and uh, she has set water in her basement. So I, I went over, and uh, water was coming up through cracks in her floor. Fairly new house. Um, then when we got to the sump pump, I just happened to, and there was nothing around the sump pump. But I got to the sump pump, and I took the cover off. It started working, and it it was right to the very top. So you know, I talked with a friend of mine who does basements. He says, well, it's because the sump pump quit working, and it came to the weakest point of the foundation. And uh sump pump ran for, goodness, a good hour, and it, uh, you know, worked out pretty good there. But it's called the insurance company instead of calling the agent first, I guess. Uh, and they asked her, and she's relatively young. And she said, uh, well, you know, it's came to the tax the floor, so they denied her claim. And I've spoken with two or three companies. They said, well, there's no way water comes up through the bottom of your floor in a crack unless the sump pump failed. And that's exactly what happened. But I didn't know if you knew anybody that we could uh, contact that we could dispute this and get the insurance company to uh, you know, pay the claim. Um, but if not, just uh, a reminder to your, your listeners that uh, call your insurance agent first before you try to make a claim because they just kind of took advantage of her uh, not knowing what to say. And they said, uh, basically the other adjuster said, well, it's the way you reported it, but you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem fair and uh, they're not going to, you're right. You're right. You know, I used to tell people all the time when I sat down with someone in their front room, they asked me a question and I had heard those questions a hundred times before I had to answer every question they could have possibly asked just like the insurance companies do. And they know how to strategically ask those questions. And those questions can decide whether your claim gets approved or denied. And we had John um, from EJH, EJH Construction. Um, you guys have heard about him a lot. And, right. and this is the one, this, this is the guy, this is the company that you want running the ball for you. You, you wanna call them right away. And, and trust me, if they can get the claim covered, they will, because that's what they do for a living, they want to. Yeah, that's how they get paid. Right. You know, right. so they want to right. do that and they're expert at it. I know it. So the first the first part of the question, yeah, definitely call a insurance company first. And the second one is no, don't take their we're not gonna cover it as as gospel. I would at that point 
call John from EJH. They'll come out and do an inspection, and they'll be able to tell um, whether they they should be able to tell you right then when you check with it. Here's the thing: get it covered. You, let's say you call uh, EJH, and you uh, it, before you even call your insurance agent, and you say, "I have this issue. I'm afraid." And we tell people, "Be careful what you say." The yes. tendency is to say way too much yes. and to talk too much. My child's basketball fell down into the sump crock, and it uh, got in the way of the pump turning on, and thus my basement <laughs> flooded. Well, the basketball shouldn't have been down, you know. Yep. So you just right. just say, You're "Listen, not cover that. Got water sure. coming up through my floors. What should I do?" And shut up, and then let John tell you how they're going to proceed, or whoever. Sounds like someone exactly. somehow when that when that lid of that. Um, some pump crock came off, it knocked something loose. I mean, that, that, that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon Especially that that float pump. gets stuck up against the wall, maybe between, yeah. between the or pump a and the wall. little lime scale gets on it, it or happens. whatever. Yeah. That's what insurance is right. for. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was that night, you know, you know it was we'll like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and we didn't know who to call, but the first thing we were just trying to get rid of the water. And uh, it was just really odd that, you know, it's quite a large basin, but most of the water was away from the sump pump, so that wasn't our first. Uh, you know, right. uh, place to look, but we've taken. Uh, I have to tell you, that's happened in my own homes in the past, where I've gone downstairs and here's water uh, appearing in hairline cracks, and and of course I instantly know that that's the issue. Right. But it's amazing right. that volume of water, and you know what? You're putting us on notice that maybe Ken, you and I need to talk a little more about that in a subsequent show. Absolutely, but let me let me give kudos to John. John, just because of what you did in the first place, you're one of us. You know, you got out of bed, you went and took care of your daughter-in-law. Care we, of your babies. We love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I did suggest that we ended up purchasing was a uh, backup uh, sump pump that runs off of the water line to your house. So even though if your electricity is out or if the sump pump fails, this is like a backup. And it's uh, yep. it's pretty inexpensive, and it uh, looks like it, as long as you have city water, it'll work off the water pressure. And uh, those exactly. things look like they're pretty handy. Do you remember what you paid for that? What's your price point on that install it was? was? Like, I think it was like one forty nine. Oh wow, know, that's to, even lower uh, than I I would have told you to expect. Yeah, one of the big yeah. box stores uh, that we all love. <laughs> and then yeah. you you installed it? I uh, haven't yet. Working on it. Uh, <laughs> working on it. <laughs> no, no, you oh, know what? Cold, we... Go ahead. It's cold <laughs> out here. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that isn't exactly yeah, warm water coming to that sump pump. I respect that. <laughs> right, but one of the things I, I want to get to is a water detector alarm so that because they hardly go down the, the lower level during the winter. And, uh, you know, that's always, I think that would be handy. In fact, I, I preach that, but I don't have one for my own house. And uh, if you get one, just for at least you know, because you didn't even know there was a problem with the water. You know? You're 100% right. I mean, $149, if you would have had that before this, that was well worth the money if it would have prevented what happened. When you do the math on that, if you've got a 1,500-square-foot basement, depending on where the pump was originally set at to kick on and off, you could easily have 1,500 to 2,000 cubic feet of water backed up. Oh, my goodness. That'd be horrible. Yeah, John, uh, John I, I take it this was a finished basement? Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, my first name is Jim, by the way. But uh, Oh, I'm, uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Another quick question. There's some uh, white residue in these cracks. That, I don't know, it's like effervescence or something. Or what do you use to clean that off with? You know, a, a wire brush. Wire brush and water. Uh, it's going to keep coming back for a while, but eventually it will stop coming. 
but just a wire brush and water is what we'd use. Yeah, yeah, I thought I'd wire brush it, and then I was thinking about putting some some silicone seal in there that's uh, salt leveling that maybe will will help. Yep. You, you can seal all those cracks with a good silicone, and that will minimize you know potential in the future. Not a bad thing right. to do. All right, sounds good. I appreciate your show. Hey, John, thank you very much, buddy. Jim, I sorry. I have John here. I'm sorry. I don't know I have John here. <laughs> There's too many Johns. I'm Jim, but we'll go for that. Take care. Thanks a lot. Hey. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate God it, God bless buddy. you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm like God Ron Burgundy. So I only read what's in front of me. <laughs> All right. Although I love it. I'm wrong. <laughs> That's good stuff, but you and I should spend a little more time with that. And during that time, we have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have made relationships with literally thousands of housing professionals over the years, which makes it a lot easier for Chuck and I to notice the good builders, the bad builders, um, the ones we refer, the ones we wouldn't refer, the ones we can just talk to for just a couple seconds and know instantly they know what they're doing. They, they know the business. And that's this next guest we have on the line with us, uh, Bob McComb from McComb Construction. When you sit down and you talk with Bob for a while, you hear in a second, you hear his passion. Um, he loves taking care of his customers, and when they're done with those projects, he loves just sitting back and taking a look at the projects they just completed. Um, one of the many reasons that we trust McComb Construction, and we're going to let you get to know Bob McComb from McComb Construction right now. He's on the air with us. Good morning, Bob. How are things, buddy? Good morning. Things are wonderful. How are you guys? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. We're blessed, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, Here we, we are. are blessed. How is McComb Construction doing? Uh, tell us how you're doing. Tell us a little bit about the company. If, you know, it's been a while since you've been on with us. Um, how did it start? All the above. Talk away. Well, McComb Construction started actually with my grandfather and then my uh, dad. He, he got into the business with my grandfather, and he was a stonemason. And then uh, through the years, McComb Construction just grew, and... I always worked with my dad and uh, just uh, ended up a uh, normal transition of things, took the company over and uh, have been running the company for about 28 to 30 years, something like that now. So, yeah, we've been around, I think, 64 years this year. So it's, it's We've got a, a fourth while. generation involved, don't we? Yep, I have my son working for me as a project manager, and he, he loves it, thank God, and he's working on it, and hopefully he will, uh, the intention is to carry the name forward and keep it going, so I wish I could be around here to hear him have his 100th anniversary, but I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, we've had the chance to meet him, and he's a great, he's not a kid, uh, and I I don't mean to insult him in any you and way. Your I mean your nephew, yeah. Yeah, he is. He's just a great young man, and uh, you've got some good people in there. Bob, what is your, after all these years, what's your favorite part of projects? Is it first meeting Ooh. people and exploring dreams and creating it on paper, or is it walking away at the end or something in the middle? I My favorite thing, I've always loved talking to people about whether it's building or just what they've got going on in their life. But probably my favorite thing is at the end of the project, when all the apprehension is gone, to uh, just see them smile and see how much they enjoy the project and looking at the pictures of it. And uh, so much of our 
our work is referrals from people, but that's probably my favorite is watching the project come together and just the enthusiasm. Um, everybody's a little apprehensive when they go to start a project like this because they're spending a lot of money and they're a little unsure. And, you know, it, 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 at the end of the day, everybody's friends and they love their project. And then the cycle starts all over again, you know. And, and your passion for what you do, Bob, comes out. It really does, and, and the work that you guys do. And what do you do? What does Macomb do? What won't, what will you take on? What won't you take on? Well, I am lucky on a personal level because I can wake up every morning and look forward to doing what I do. It's not like I have to put on the boots and go to work and I can't wait to get home. I enjoy doing what I do. I enjoy dealing with the people. But, um, yeah, we will sit down with you. We'll discuss your project. We'll throw numbers around so you kind of have a budget in mind. And we will tell you how to, in a remod situation, how to structurally put your project together. And then we have a architect that will work with you that will do your structural drawings and all your uh, energy worksheets and everything so you basically can lay the project in our lap you're going to know what it's going to cost and we're going to go get the permits and get it built for you see i'm going to challenge people that that can be so much fun that aspect of it i always loved where it's nothing but pencil lead on paper right and you can just dream away and then bob's the guy that can say to you okay you told us you had a quarter million dollar budget for this and if you add this it's going to add another seven thousand dollars do you do you still want to do that or no and people can go well no we'll take that out okay so let's and it's just pencil and eraser and paper and i love that i think that's fun and i think people need to know they can do that with you bob there's a lot of things people uh, can do with their project that they're not even aware of. When we sit down uh, either with myself or with the architect, uh, they'll have an idea in mind. And we'll say, well, have you thought about doing this or have you thought about doing that? And then that really gets them excited because lots of times they haven't thought about that and they love the project even more. And uh, right through the project, before they spend a nickel, uh, even with the architect, we can tell them uh, in a ballpark way where they're going to be at on a budget uh, situation so that there's no big surprises or their concern. You know, we're going to build them something that they're going to be happy with and that they know that they can afford. Bob, when you're designing... I used to see, you know, I used to sit in your chair for decades. Do you think people are more willing to spend money on flash value or long-term efficiency values? In other words, is it easier to sell insulation in the walls that no one will ever see or that big jacuzzi tub in the master suite? I think the big jacuzzi in the master suite because they pretty much know with the way the laws are today for insulation and all the other mechanicals that go into the project. Uh, there are so many specifications that we have to follow. They know they're going to get the best of all that stuff. They know they're going to get an R49 ceiling and and walls and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. Really? They, do you they, think people do know that, Bob? I don't. I think they count on Bob. I mean, Bob to, to tell them that. 
Well, sorry to we interrupt do. you. What, no, we we do tell them that. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, you're going to build an addition. Well, the walls are going to be six inches thick. They're not going to be two by fours like they used to be back in the day. We do go over all that stuff, but the the average consumer now is pretty educated on uh, on uh, what's to be expected in a home as far as insulation and goes. Because people usually, when they come to me, they've done some research and they. They, they know pretty much what they want and where to go. And then there's other people that come to me that don't have a clue what they want. They're just doing a little investigative research. And then those are usually the most fun because we bring them right along to having a blueprint in front of them and uh, just to, to see the excitement build. It's fun. Well, I tell you, we've had, we've had some great response from our listeners, the people you've done for – uh, projects you've done for our listeners, and I've seen some of the projects you've done there. Absolutely fantastic. So uh, today in this climate, with new homes being what they are and land costs being what they are, people are looking at their home and thinking, you know, we love our school system. We love the area that we live in. We're going to fix this house up because the, the value really is in remodeling what you have if you want to stay there as opposed to selling and replacing with a with a new home just based on the fact that sales are are uh, so high on the on the new projects it makes perfect and sense. people recognize that it's going to be a better value to stay where they are and improve it than it is to try to go out in the market and find it and buy buy it which one's less stress basically <laughs> Less money and less stress. Right. Well, I, I think the nice thing is now with the, the market and that is pretty unique. Our interest rates are very low. If somebody wants to leverage their project, uh, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see rates like this again for a long time. And then if you like your schools and you're in a good school system in a good area and you add on to your house, you're going to recapture that money when you sell that home. If it's professionally designed and implemented, I'm sorry. It's got to look like it was there from day one. It's got to be a company like yeah. yours that does that. It can't be a do-it-yourself project, Bob. No, our our job to be a good remodeler, to be a professional, is you need to go in and remodel that home and make it look like it grew that way. Yeah, you're you so right. So, Bob, what are you seeing? Are you seeing people with master suites that maybe want bigger doorways, wider doorways, bigger turnaround spaces? Are you seeing more uh, roll-in shower capabilities instead of bathtubs? What are you seeing with the person wanting to stay there? Or even getting into their home in the first place. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of nice big master bathrooms, nice big master showers, um, some step-in uh, tubs, uh, uh, we are seeing right now we're doing a few um, four or a three season room that people want to pull off and and convert them into actual four season rooms, uh, bump outs out the back of their homes. So, yeah, uh, we're doing a lot of that. And of course, this time of year we do a lot of kitchens and a lot of bathrooms. That's uh, probably probably. 65, 70% of our phone calls today, right? Anything right in the kitchens that. that you're doing where you say we want to leave more space between the island and the wall-mounted cabinets to accommodate potential future use of a chair or a walker? Are you thinking that way with people at all? or 
or lowering Absolutely. cabinet accessibility? I'm sorry. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we'll go into a home. Uh, the big thing now is openness. So uh, we will be taking out pretty much as many walls as we can in that kitchen area or surrounding area to make it an all open view. If people have special needs, we have uh, built uh, um, a number of homes for people that have challenges. Uh, um, and and uh, we work with them and put what their needs are together and, and build it for them to, to, just to make their life better. Whether Bob, one of the reasons. Or handicap showers. And that is one of the many reasons we love Macomb Construction because you guys know what your specialty is. You don't try to try to squeeze things in. You don't do things that you don't do on a regular basis. But before you we went to break, I'd mention your service area. And I want to make sure people understand why it's so important that a company like yours only performs in a certain area. If you went out any further, you wouldn't be as efficient. You would be dealing with um, lumber companies and supply companies you may not normally deal with. Um, also, you are so familiar. I, I, I'm guessing within a 25, 30-mile range of building departments of your office, they all know you by name. You have a relationship when you go in there. They know that mm -hmm. when Macomb Construction comes in, they may not have to look as closely as other jobs because of the trust you've built with these company, with these um, jurisdictions over the years. You want to speak to that a little bit, please? Yeah, uh, that's a big plus because if we turn in a plan to somebody and they know that uh, we perform well in their city and they have a good feel for us, then they're going to turn that drawing around quicker for us. And they're going to okay. kick it out so we can get to work. Uh, I'm going to get inspectors to return my phone calls if we have a question or an issue regarding something going on on a remodel or a new home. Uh, so that relationship always is huge uh, when it's when it's repeat business with a city. Um, but. Um, yeah, the, to work efficiently, you have to be kind of in your circle because you have to remember you're asking your carpenters, all your laborers, all your people to drive out to these projects and do this work and then drive back. So if they're right. on the road sitting in traffic for 45 minutes, that's costing everybody money, and it's just a very, very difficult to, way to do anything anymore. Makes sense. So, yep. Yeah, traveling's a big deal nowadays. Oh. <laughs> and if I'm a homeowner in Rochester Hills, now we all know they can't call the building department and they won't give anyone a recommendation. Yep. But they, what they will say is, yeah, they're in here all the time. We haven't had any issues. I think that's so important. Oh, it is important. And, and the mm -hmm. fact that you guys have, have grown for three generations working on four is testament to what you do well for people every day, Bob. And we really appreciate what you do for our listeners. Well, I love it. I, I love doing what I do. I think sometimes I would like to turn over the torch and retire, but in all honesty, I don't think I ever could. So here I am, and I just like doing what I do. I like taking a project and turning around and looking at it when it's finished. And we've met a lot of great people along the way, and we still communicate with them, and they still refer us to our friends, so um, 
my dad always told me that, you know, service is all you have to sell um, when it comes to competition and so on. And, and that's true. You take care of people, and they respect that. Couldn't say it better. Bob, it's been a pleasure having Macomb Construction as a team partner for the Inside Outside Guys. Heck, many, many years now. Like I said earlier, you've taken care of so many of our listeners. We've had so much good good feedback on our listeners that have used Macomb Construction, and yeah. we just want to thank you for doing that for us. We appreciate it, Bob. Thank you so much, and thanks for taking the time out today, buddy. And I thank you guys for all those referrals, every one of them. Tell me, yeah, Chuck sent me or Ken sent me, and I appreciate that very, very much. It's- if you incorporate something into the design, it works for the most possible people. Okay. You know, Hence, your house. universal design. Yeah, right? so if okay. it's equitable in use, that means a wider doorway is good for everybody, Makes as sense. an example. Um it's equitable for someone that's in a, a chair, and believe me, there are all different. There are chairs that have up to an eight-foot profile uh, from toe to head, just because they have to move around to provide circulation for the you know the the user of the chair. So I mean, every chair isn't isn't a is not a twenty-eight inch wide chair right. or a, you know three foot you know footprint three by three footprint. Right. Right. Now that's huge. Now, Chuck, people have heard us talk a lot uh, about a couple things, universal design and then aging in place. Basically, universal design is taking the place of aging well, in place. Well, what it's doing, it's it used as a guideline for design in universal design, or aging in place, excuse me. Right, right. Um, because when aging in place was first uh, coined. A stigma? Is there a stigma over that, you think? I, I think there was at the time. I don't think there was so much anymore. But here's what happened: there were all, there were about five or six sense, sets of principles that we literally had to teach, and they all overlapped and commingled with each other. Makes sense. Yeah. There were okay. these, you know, five or six governing bodies that were nonprofits that were contributing to the code and telling people what to do, and universal design kind of floated to the top of those and now that's what pretty much anybody doing um, design for aging in place uses is the principles of universal design. <laughs> I had to walk through that. Be carefully. careful not to offend anybody, right? Hey and one of the reasons yeah. we're doing this show today is because if you stick around after this hour, we are gonna be at Barrier Free of Michigan. And Barrier this, Free Plus. This, Barrier Free yeah. Plus and this is what they do. This is all they do. So you're gonna to want to stick around if you know anyone that's getting older or you know anyone that has any kind of handicap issues, stick around. We're going to be talking a lot about that in the next hour. That's going to be fun. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And we're going to run out of time in just a few minutes here. But, but so another got- one of those principles, simple and intuitive. If you're using something in a building, it should be simple and intuitive. In other words, it shouldn't need a set of directions. It shouldn't be something you walk up to like I do with a computer and go, oh, darn, <laughs> or my cell phone. So... A tip, a classic one, a door handle that is a lever type handle instead of a round knob. Right. You right. know, anybody that walks up to a lever type door handle intuitively knows how to use it. What are you? Why are you laughing? Me with a computer? No, no. Oh. I'll tell you a break. My daughter calling me again, <laughs> forgetting that I'm on the air every morning. But go ahead. <laughs> so simple and intuitive again is so uh, critical. Um, even a ramp, if you see a ramp, you intuitively know how to use the right. ramp to access the elevation change. Right, right. 
Uh, flexibility in use, and I guess a ramp, again, would be a, a good example, or even that lever-type door handle uh, is another principle. Is it f So can I open a, a lever-type door with a knob on it using my elbow? No. I have to be able to grasp a knob and turn it, and right. a lot of people don't have the strength or the capability, maybe rheumatoid arthritis or you know debilitating uh, cramping. It could be a, a multitude of things. Sure. Or loss of a limb. But that lever type handle, I can I can open with my foot. I can open with my elbow. And during the pandemic, I've been doing that quite a bit. Well, I know I, you're it's not true. being funny. I know a lot of funny. people do. Yeah. Um, so flexibility and use, simple and intuitive use, equitable use. It works for the most, you know, or the greatest number of people in terms of their abilities or lack of abilities or right. limitations with right. abilities, um, and a tolerance for error. Can you make a mistake in, in, in the use and not suffer for it? So, again, can I make a mistake opening that door with a lever handle? Yeah. And not suffer for it? Yeah. Worst case scenario, I push down on it with my elbow, it flips back up, but the, but the latch did not disengage and the door is still closed. Right. So there's a tolerance for error without, you know, again, suffering negative consequences as a result of that. I agree. I understand. Okay. And you, we have to play with that. You and I will have to do more in, in the future. But if you have a, a passcode to unlock a door, for instance, they started to do that so people wouldn't have to manipulate a key in right. a lock outside. Right. Yep. But is there a tolerance for error? If I get that code wrong three times or four times, is it going to lock me out of my home? Well, they've got. Well, think about your cell phone. They've got the the thumb touch now, right? Yeah. You do it too many times. Let's see if something. I've done that. I've I've gone to hit it and I have dirty thumbs. Seriously, my phone doesn't recognize my face. Yeah, it doesn't recognize. <laughs> it doesn't recognize my thumb. So a lot of the new um, doorknobs have the the touch. Okay, the bio touch there. Yeah. And if it doesn't recognize your thumb, let's say your thumb's dirty, you have caulk on it because we've done that. You're not going to be able to get into your house. It's it's two degrees outside, and you can't get in your own house exactly. because of an electronic device like that, or a power failure. You know, limits its ability to actually do what it has to do. Good point. Tell you one thing I love about what what I think has made so much to Universal Design aging in place for for all genres is the uh, sinks and the stoves that raise up and down. Yeah, I really like those a lot. I do too. Uh, I just think there's so many cool things. I'm looking at these seven principles and just mentally playing with all the things that we've done and that we could do or Bob McComb could do, you know, in your home. And it's, I like that, the sink that you can lower into a, a chair user's lap. Or lift up. Or so lift up for you and I to yeah. stand at. I know it's cool. Low physical effort is another one of those principles. I want to mm. mention that. Um, if you've ever, again, I, I think of the knob handles and how I have ha had those where, you know, they're harder to engage. Being a germaphobe, I, you know, the dog been germaphobe, I'm always, whenever i in the bathroom, I will open the handle, the door first, then wash my hands, and then take my foot and open it the rest of the way. I know people, yeah. Well, that's interesting because the foot plates that they're putting on doors to open them now. Yep. yep. Um, I don't know if those are, I like them, and I, and I use them. I don't know if they're simple and intuitive for all people. I think some people look at them and wonder what they're for. Yep. I think other people may risk a slip and fall on a wet bathroom floor if they stick one foot on that plate. I had a slip and fall this week. Serious? Yeah. Who are you suing? <laughs> no one. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I actually, as I was going down, it was on someone's walkway, but as I was going down, I actually said to myself, your arm. 